Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Lancey. I'm your co-host. Normally, yeah, normally inside the firm, we're here with Lance Cycle of Lancey. The reason I call it Lancey is because you will soon see that this show is chock full of Lance Insight. And I guess I'll just be... uh, Our reactions, though. Yeah. And I won't do those weird faces. Have you seen those reaction faces? Stuff like that? Oh, I just... I'm a YouTuber. So, do you do that when you catch a fish? Lance, do you look at the fish? Like when the fish looks at you... Do you look at the fish like, oh, I can't believe I caught this fish when I set out to do and kind of geared my whole life around and the whole weekend around and have equipment and planted and I even have cameras like, oh, do you do that? What would the, so this this just proves that uh, I'm not sure Al has been watching Fishing with Lance because otherwise he would see. I keep looking up catchy and I'm not getting anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There you go. There's the problem. So, so I guess I'll never know. That's the issue. Speaking of watching cool videos, if you want to watch cool videos, learn something that uh, helps you out in your job. And when you are good at your job, your job is more pleasant, which means your life is more pleasant. Check out RevitRocketShip.com. Check out what we have to offer. Um, it is basically building you up. Uh, some people that have been using Revit for a long time, it might... It's not... You're basically... You're learning stuff you already knew, know, but in a different way. In a different way. So you might become more efficient that way. But for people just starting Revit, literally two years in, Anyone under two years in, this is the way, this will change the way you think about Revit, the way you produce in Revit, and your whole mindset. You will absolutely love it. Money back guaranteed. Go check out RevitRocketship.com. This podcast is also special. This podcast is also sponsored by Pella Luxury. You need to check out PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Why? Because you've never experienced a brand like Pella Luxury before. I promise you, the collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of the industry who provide window and or solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are bought brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. That's PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. Check those guys out. We are, we've checked them out, obviously. And uh, they're going, one of their brands is actually going into a project that Alex is building. So we're excited about that. Uh, also, with project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. Arcat.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content and design so you can assist access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, Arcat.com is free to use and requires no registration. That's my favorite part. So visit today and access the information you need now. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. I'm oh. not going to swing it back to Al Gore. This is a Lancey show. But what I am doing 
is I am... Uh, so this podcast is going to be a little different than um, the other podcasts that we've done. Um, maybe where it's all... It's all... Um, Economic big. Ar- architecture related, yeah. right? And so uh, one thing... So what I'm going to point out on the screen here is you're actually seeing, seeing a little bit of our show notes, um, but there's a tweet that came out. Um, and so while this isn't directly architecture related, or the, while this isn't exactly an architecture podcast as it relates to like, hey, here's what you should do with your business practices is, is with architecture and that and all of that. I think it's really important that architects or co- contractors, people, other business owners who listen to this podcast are aware, aware of the micro and the macro trends in the economy because we all have to try to, if we can forecast, if we can successfully forecast and prepare, we have people that depend on us and it's very necessary to, to, to figure this out. Everybody's got to eat. And if you have employees, then you eat last, right? So if you're, if you're an owner. So there's a tweet that came out and everybody's probably seen because like if you go on any social media right now, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, all you're seeing is like people complain about gas prices, right? Mm-hmm. And how, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's the truth. It's uh, the headlines are coming out of like, you're seeing record gas prices. It's not just about not you being able to take your vacation. It's well, what are the consequences of the gas prices? All your food's going to be more expensive. Everything's more expensive. There's just no way around it. Right? Yeah. So there's a tweet by uh, the Kobesi letter that really struck me on Sunday night because on Sunday night, what I'm usually doing is I'm looking at futures, the futures markets. So like what is gold trending and silver trending at? What are just, what's the stock market trending at? What's it going to open like? There's a lot that can happen over a weekend, especially now with the 24-7 media cycle. And we, everybody's seeing everything globally on display. Um, so this tweet says, since 1970, every 50% increase in crude oil prices has led to a recession uh wti crude is up 60 percent year to date brent is up 60 percent year to date now add in a fed that is aggressively raising rates a potential world war three and a 40-year high inflation this won't be pretty the thing i want to point out though about that tweet on just the headline again since 1970 every 50% increase in crude oil prices has led to a recession. That doesn't mean that every recession was predicated with a 50% increase in oil. Great. <laughs> so uh, so then there's an article I found that um, that was directly related to... It, it, it says, so the headline here, Bloomberg, history suggests oil shock raises probability of U.S. recession. When oil rises 50% above trend, a recession follows, right? Uh, so... To the article. Historically, a crude oil price of this magnitude may have been... This was March 4th, 2022, by the way. Historically, a surge in crude oil prices of this magnitude have ended U.S. economic expansions and tipped the U.S. economy into recession, according to Pictet Asset Management. Uh, In the past 50 years, every time oil prices adjusted for inflation rose rose 50% above trend, a recession followed. Data from Luca, whatever, chief strategists have picked it show. Brent, Brent, the international gauge for prices, climbed well above 110 barrels, uh, 110 barrel this week. That was last week. Everybody who's been watching, it's above 130 now, I think, right, Al? I'll look it up. Crossing that threshold on worries about disruption 
to Russia's exports after the country invaded Ukraine. Brent has rallied around 50% this year to top 118. Well, it did. Trading around, what is it? 130. There you go. Futures in New York rose by more than $24 this week. Again, this was last week. The highest weekly dollar increase on record. Uh, fear is already playing out in the stock market as the war rekindled inflation concerns and clouded the outlook for corporate profits. The S&P 500 sector has been one of the few bright spots, continuing its reign as the top performing group in the index up 35% in 2022. Oil and gas companies like Exxon Mobil Corp, Chevron Corp, and ConocoPhillips have posted double-digit gains this year, benefiting from a rise in oil prices. But investors question how long the strength in the energy stocks will last. This group is now the third most shorted in the industry on the S&P 500, with short sellers betting that the oil boom will soon be over. And this was, again, last week. And now what has happened since then, we've completely banned Russian oil imports, right? Yep. It's at 117 now. It went up to 130, came back down to Of course. People are going to take profits. Everybody takes profits. Yeah. Uh, quote, he ends it with, or she ends it with, uh, I don't expect an economic disaster, but we're, so what we're seeing in oil prices will have a significant impact on growth. Okay. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> then one of the next things I want to talk about regarding that is, uh, so the job reports, right? So like, what would stop us from a recession? Even though we have this high inflation and the high oil and the high oil prices, and then the Fed is going to raise rates. Um, there is, there are some positive things, right? That we, like, it's hard to deny it. You, so, Time has this article and it says U.S. job gains accelerate while growth, wage growth, slows sharply. U.S. hiring boomed in February, while wage growth slowed, showing a strong labor market that likely keeps, uh, likely keeps the Federal Reserve on track to raise interest rates this month while offering some respite from strong inflationary pressures. I would actually like that. Um, just which, which one? Like what? Uh, raise interest rates. And actually, I wish they'd think outside of the box. I said this before. I'll say it again. Um, interest borrowing rates probably on houses shouldn't increase. The amount that a person can get should probably be lowered. And that sounds punitive to people, but actually not. It would bring down housing prices. Um, <coughs> obviously, supply has to go up. We've talked a lot about that. Um, the reason why um, I would like that is because I, I think the solution is actually a, a little bit of pain now or else it's we're just gathering up. We keep pushing pain down the line and we keep pushing it down. We keep so, kicking the kicking the can down yep, the road. That it's going to be so big that it might blow everything apart. And maybe that's how things need to happen. Um, just like a forest fire, you know, it needs to happen sometimes. Uh, but you can do controlled burns and then clear, <laughs> to use Trump's word, clear the forest floors, or actually just do some forest management that a lot of countries do. So it's like, which one do you want? Do you want the whole forest to burn down and, you know, then it for the regrowth? Or do you want to manage your forest? And I'm saying we should manage it. And one way to manage it is to lessen the money supply, lessen the money supply, because if not, you're just, I mean, the dollar is already in jeopardy. I didn't know if you wanted me to go off on a tangent, but like it's in jeopardy and there's a financial war happening right now. And it might not just be, oh, we're in another cold war. It might be like World War II where a new power takes over, even just financially, if it's just a financial, it's just a financial war. power. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it could be China. I mean, they're on trend. Like if you look at trends, like China's on trend to be the biggest 
uh, country, economically, stuff like that. So when does that transition happen? How does it happen? Because it happened to the British, right? Them, Germany, started World War II. The British was in, they were the superpower. They technically won. They sacrificed more lives, did a lot of battles. Russia obviously did their part over on that side too. But they weren't the superpower, even though they were the superpower to begin with. And they won. They were the superpower to begin with, and they won the war. But after the war, it was dollar-dominated yes. and then Russian rivalry. Yeah. The, victor, so, the victor went to, to where the money is. And that, that's, the whole, that's the whole point of why th- this is a sort of a special episode is I just want to focus in on the money. And I just want to just like it's so important to understand the money and who's controlling it, who's making it, and because it controls everything. Like everything is predicated on this. Yes. There's no way around it. Yep. So back to the article, U.S. hiring, um, oh, it's a non, non-farm payrolls increased uh, 678,000 last month, the most since July. Uh, the unemployment rate edged down to 3.8%, and average hourly earnings were literally changed from the prior month. So wages are starting to, you're starting to see some stagflation there. Uh, the median estimate in a Bloomberg survey of economics called for a 423,000 advance in payrolls and for the employment and for the unemployment rate to fall to 3.9. So their estimates were off. The market is better. Here's where the Fed comes in. So the employment report, report, the last the Fed will receive before its March 15th to 16th meeting. This is a critical date. So we're recording this on actually this will be published on let's see here. Today would be if you're listening to this and you listen when it published it would be March 11th, very critical because March 15th to 16th is when they're going to meet. And the idea everybody's been talking about, okay, that what they're thinking about doing is raising raising the rates by 25 points. So what does that mean? Al, Al already talked about Al already touched on it. Like we need to we need to raise the rates. Um, the the whole idea with them raising rates is they're trying to tamp down inflation. Yep. They're trying to control the runaway inflation. And so you've heard these numbers of we have a, a inflation of 7.5%. If you're seeing gas go up by 50 cents 50 to a 50 cents to a dollar in literally a couple days if you're seeing um, real estate increase uh, by 20 percent year over year if you're seeing stuff like that happen I think you are probably of the same opinion of me and maybe Al of that like I think the 7.5 percent is not real it's probably much Low. higher exactly <laughs> there the, that's a that's a low number, that's a low number. <laughs> exactly yeah. So what is it? What happens when the Fed raises interest rates? Okay, um, I've got a different article here from Forbes Advisor, and so let's just examine that. Okay, uh, so what happens when the Fed raises rates? When the Fed raises when the Fed raises the federal funds rate uh, target rate, the goal is to increase the cost of credit, right? So that people can't borrow as much, like Al was saying, throughout the economy. Higher interest rates make loans more expensive for both businesses and consumers. And everyone ends up spending more on interest payments. By the way, when it when the cost to lend becomes more expensive, where do you think that final price tag, who does it get? Somebody's got to pay for it. Who, who, who ends up paying the higher cost for it in the end? The consumer. Like there's That's just a fact. A hundred percent fact. And yeah. then the other thing too, besides paying more... The reason why they do this is so that people will actually take out less, which then leads. That's why sometimes when the interest rate is so high, it leads to a recession because people like what we said and what we recommended. The liquidity goes, and the, the available li- li- liquidity is restricted. Yep, and 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 what we did literally weeks ago is, oh, we don't need this 
subscription. We don't need that subscription. Oh, we're at, oh, we don't need to pay those fees. Like we don't need to pay literally $80 in fees when we can do it another way. So all that money that was going out monthly, a couple thousand dollars that we didn't need to spend. Now those people aren't getting it. Now what are they doing? Same thing. Like, huh, maybe I don't need to spend, you know, this money on this other stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then the other thing, I, so remember, I just we just talked about job gains. So the job gains were good, but what was not good? The wage, the wages aren't increasing, right? So this idea that the wages are mm. inflating with the extra costs that are maybe coming down the road once the interest rates are raised is something to also consider, right? So, um, so here's here's the example I want to bring up in this article in particular. So take a family shopping. Uh, take a family shopping around for a $300,000 30-year fixed rate mortgage. If banks were offering them at an interest rate of 3.5%, kind of right now, whatever it is, the total lifetime cost of the mortgage would be approximately $485,000 with nearly $185,000 of that accounting for interest charges. Monthly payments would clock in around $1,340. Do you see why the bank bankers make so much money? A lot. Because that's after they do the paperwork and you pay for all that during the closing costs, like it's literally just money going in there automatically. Yeah. Let's say the Fed had raised interest rates by 1% before the family got the loan and the interest rate offered by banks for a $300,000 home mortgage loan rose to 4.5%. Over the 30-year life of the loan, the family would pay more, pay a total of more than 547000 with interest charges, accounting for 240000 of that amount. Their monthly mortgage payment would be approximately 1500 and 20. That's just with one. So, so 1520 versus 1340, right? Um, is about a $200 difference, <clears throat> 180 bucks to be exact. Uh, that's the, that's the difference in just one percentage point. Okay. Um, so they're indicating they're going to raise the rates. Alex and I are agreeing. Like if you want to tamp down inflation, according to this Keynesian rigged system that we have, the central bank of the fed, like you, that's the only way to do it. Supposedly, this is how the mechanism is supposed to work. That's the only way they want to do it. Bingo. <laughs> well, what happens if they raise rates? What if what happens if the rates increase too quickly? Like, is there something wrong with that? So, different article by Investopedia here. This was written last year about this time. When interest rates raise too quickly, it can cause a chain reaction that affects domestic economy as well as the global economy. It can create a recession in some cases. If this happens, the government can backtrack the increase but it can take some time for the economy to recover from the dip, right? Uh, <clears throat> so timing is everything, they go on to say. It all comes down to timing. The economy, has, the economy has to be robust enough to be able to handle the increase in cost of borrowing. If the Fed increases interest rates too quickly before the economy is ready for it, the realized effect of the interest rate inter increase can be too much, and the measure could backfire. The economy would become strained and fall into recession. Moreover, the effect of interest rates going up would not only be felt in the U.S. If interest rates rise too quickly, the comparative value of the dollar could go up, affecting world markets as, as well as domestic companies with businesses in other countries. Um, so, back, fast forwarding to like, well, just what is the what is what is Jerome Powell, the the Fed chair, right? Trading Economics says Fed, Fed Chair Jerome Powell made clear during congressional testimony on, 
um, Wednesday, I believe that was Wednesday of last week, that a rapidly healing U.S. economy no longer needs such an accommodative monetary policy and that the central bank would begin raising interest rates in its March 15-16 meeting to restrain surging inf inflation. See, so like it's straight from the horse's mouth. This is their idea of how they're going to control inflation. Powell said he is inclined to support a 25 basis point, basis point increase, but noted that the Fed could move more aggressively if inflation does not abate as, as expected. However, it provided a little additional guidance about how fast the Fed would do so. Powell also pointed out that the outbreak of war in Ukraine brought a significant degree of uncertainty for monetary policy. Looks like you were going to say something, Mal. Yeah, do you feel, so like the Fed is semi actually really independent of congress congress does not they're have a private to, bank I've, I've, yeah they're a private cartel bank that's all it is bank of cartels whatever congress does not approve their decision making um doesn't tell them when to nope. raise interest nope. or, or at all yeah it doesn't right um so this is what i'm getting at just playing out a scenario here if the fed is the government could act counter act counter could shoot itself in the foot the Fed could do this to lower inflation. The government could see that it's causing people problem. They could just make bills to pass bills that give out trillions of dollars, making it a wash, kicking it. And that's what I think they'll probably do just because um, the government has put itself into the position that it always has to be the solution when, yeah, right? So my prediction, because what's the title of this? I'm just, uh, are we... Are we headed towards a recession? We are. We are headed towards a recession, but when? I think they're going to kick it down the can because that's what they always do. Kick the do. can down the road, yep. Yep. And and not raise rates? No, they're going to raise rates. Oh, okay. They're going to raise rates. They're going to continue to raise rates, but the government is just going to up spending, just print, print more money, right? And at least for two more years, it's going to kick it down the can um, where people will have a bunch of money. And at some time, like either tough uh, um, measures will be put in place so that like we have to grind through it and hopefully everyone's at a better place that they can do that or it's just going to pop. Um, so what I'm saying is that like I think right now we have we ha you have a window. I think people are still spending money. You know, yes. obviously if this if World War three happens, just like. The economy was doing fine until COVID hit and literally like markets went crazy like that. So like we can't predict if a literally what the U.S. is going to do or NATO is going to do that might yeah. literally create a nuclear threat. Right. But barring that we don't know when that's going to happen. I think the government is going to keep printing money and all that. So you should get your house in order for when it does pop or when they decide that they actually need to do something about it so that it doesn't pop and blow up the whole system. Yeah. So, so you're to, to kind of recap before I hit this final point, what I'm trying to, what we're trying to do is paint the picture of what are the signals you can at least be looking for. Right. So we have, um, we have essentially runaway inflation and the idea is to try to solve the runaway inflation, at least tamp it down. Okay. And the inflation is everything. Like there isn't, there isn't almost anything that has gotten cheaper, uh, since, since, since COVID hit basically. Right. And it's just, it's just gotten worse and it's compounding and all of that. And I'm sure many of you listening who are architect contractors, whatever, have seen like multiple projects die like us due to inflation. People just, people have limits to what they can spend and what they can do. Mm -hmm. Right. 
you're also seeing um, so a mixed job market, right? Like are, there are more people on the payrolls, but the problem, the but the so that's good, but the problem is, is like their wages are starting to stagnate, so they're not increasing like they like they need to in order to keep up with the inflation. So they're already pinched. And the thing, the third thing is the third thing that pinches them further is if the rates raise, which they need to do. So it's a pickle. It's like this pickle. It's it's like something's got something's got to give either way, and it's not trending in the right way. The fourth thing you need to watch for is this. It's called the yield curve inversion. Okay, and that might sound like foreign language to everybody, but this article was this last article was written April fourth, twenty nineteen, so like three years ago. But it's it's timely. What real interest rates tell us about the recession to follow? Can economists say anything about the severity of a recession before it starts? This blog post argues that long-term real interest rate levels before recessions exhibit a correlation with the severity of the recession. Measured in terms of its duration or its impact on macroeconomic variables such as the unemployment rate, this topic is especially pertinent as one yield curve briefly inverted and prominent Federal Reserve officials have discussed the importance of the yield curve when making policy decisions. Real interest rates and yield curve inver inversions. To analyze interest rates before a recession, we looked at real interest rates when yield curve inverted before a recession, with the yield curve inverting many months ahead of recession. Using a level of real interest rate at a time of the inversion provides an unbiased measure as the traditional response of monetary policy to counteract recessionary trends is unlikely to have occurred. So, uh, basically, then they go into some figures here, and they take a look at them, right, about um, what happened in, for instance, you know, 1956 all the way up to, to 1980 end. Well, it moves, because some of them in the middle, Lance, are uh, 00, 06. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it, it continues for that, right? Um, then they kind of look at unemployment change and the nominal interest rate at time of yield curve inversion, and where all of that was, um, and then the recession length and the real interest rate at the time of, of inversion, right? So, like, to put it in perspective, um, in 2000, the recession length was um, almost 10 months, it looks like, right? So, uh, and then the last the last uh, table they have here is unemployment change and real interest rate, um, and, like, wh what the difference was once once that all happened. So basically, um, I, I don't know the like. So we talked out. We started out talking about okay, when oil rates year, when oil increases by in by uh, in cost by fifty percent year to date, every single time that has happened, there has been a recession. But not every recession was predicated with that. Supposedly, like Al kind of was counteracting me there. But what doesn't matter. The yield curve is another metric to look for because I don't know the percentage. I don't know if you could do an analogy like that, that like, like the oil one where you could say like, oh, every single time the yield curve well, has inverted. No. But just is, watch for it is what I'm getting at. Go ahead, Al. Well, this is what it's saying too. The highest, the first graph, let's just dissect the first graph. Nominal interest rates at time of inversion. So... Um, the interest rates, let's just take uh, the OO recession. Yeah. Was at 6%. Yeah. And then the recession length was, it looks like eight months, yep. something like that, right? Now, in 78, mm -hmm. the interest rate was at 
8% yep. when it flipped and it was a 30 month recession. So what this is trying to say is like interest rate at yield curve. Our interest rates are at super low. Yeah. So it's basic. This graph is indicating a short recession. It could be short. It's possible it could be short. Yep. But it could be really deep too, right? Short and deep. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Interest rates, recession. Percentage, go ahead. Okay, what's the difference between nominal interest rates and uh, real interest rates? What's the difference? Say that again. Between nominal interest rates and real interest rates. So the nom so here's what it is. So the, each private each each like a credit union still has to recognize the federal rates. Yep. Okay. So the nominal rates are set by the Fed. The real ones are by the local banks who have to add a percentage on top of that to earn their money. Oh, okay. The yeah. real so gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's what then that second graph says do we know what the real interest rates are right now? Like if it's the bank adding on, on top of a percentage, you just go to, go to, uh, I don't know. When's the last time you got a loan out? Oh, a while ago. It was like 2.75. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to look up. Because I'll, t I'll tell you what this is. The, the, I think it is the third graph is saying basically if the banks add a little, not a lot, but a little to the interest rates. The curve is inverse. It means that the recession will be longer. Yeah. So here's the final indicator to look for. Okay. This will probably get this. If you couple all of that together and you're trying to forecast, nobody can predict exactly when. We just know that it's going to happen at some point. Like what it goes up must come down. We've already talked about in previous episodes about how basically all the PPP loans and all of the spending put a Band-Aid on the very short downturn that we had with COVID as far as a recession, right? You saw the stock market like tank. Remember that when we did the two weeks flat in the curve thing? Um, the final thing here, I, I just I just looked up uh, a Googled percentage of recessions led by yield curve and a white paper comes up. And on the second page of this white paper, if you're following along with me here, table one, estimated U.S. recession probabilities for pro for, pro, for probit model using the yield curve spread. So uh, if the yield curve spread is at, with this one that they gave an example of, it, if it nears negative 2.4, you have a 90% probability of a recession. If it goes back into the positive of 1.21, and I actually don't know the mechanics behind all of this. I'm just saying you don't even need to know it either. Like you don't need to go further than this. Just understand these baseline indicators for where things are at so that's there. i just wanted to touch base on all that stuff sounds good give a little information here's one piece of homework i would give everybody and that is i challenge you to go to youtube and to look up uh the f just search the forgotten depression and then after that i want you to watch the uh the great depression a some youtube video and analyze for yourself the difference between the two different governments, because it's a 10-year difference between both governments. Uh, one, the, the forgotten depression, which nobody, uh, nobody hears about this. Like, they don't talk about this in the history books. It's real. It's 100%. Check out the forgotten depression and see how they, that, the government responded to that depression versus 
what happened later on in the 20s, early 30s, and how the government responded to that depression. Which one was longer? Which one was shorter? And moving ahead, if we are going to hit a downturn, it's recession or and or depression, it's it's up for debate. Like at some point, we have to pay the piper, like Alex was saying. Like we have to pay for all of the spending in some way. Like pain is coming. Judge for yourself which one is the better solution. And I believe we finally have somebody back to join us. Nick with Nick Reed. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. The greatest threat facing America today is the disastrous fiscal policies of our own government. Marked by shameless deficit spending and Federal Reserve currency devaluation. It is the one-two punch, Congress spending more than it can tax or borrow, and the Fed printing money to make up the difference, that threatens to impoverish us by further destroying the value of our dollars. Ron Paul. Toodles. Toodles. Yep. And because why that's such a great threat is because Every empire that financially weakens does the same thing. And everyone sees that. Think about the government as a household. Oh, I'm going to keep spending more money than I have and then print more money to make up with it. You're going to stop doing business with that household. That's literally what happens. And it's that simple. Yet they don't want to do it because you get reelected and you look better when you give people money. You heard it there. So I, I we, thanks for listening today. We know this was a little bit different of a podcast. And uh, there's always light at the end of the tunnel too. The light at the end of the tunnel is you figuring out how to navigate through this. If you listen to the last couple episodes, you know we talked about what we're trying to do at our firm, become lean and mean. Don't get, you know, I know everybody's super busy right now and we're seeing all kinds of, like more building happen than maybe almost ever, especially in my career, Alex's career, your career. So you're, you're stuffed, you're busy, but don't lose sight of trying to stay lean, mean, and prepared um, for what's ahead, whether it's good or bad. And you know what? Maybe none of, maybe this won't happen. Maybe none of this happens. Maybe, maybe they won't raise rates and, and it won't crash the, it won't crash the economy because people are able to spend less. Maybe they'll just print even more money and we'll just keep the party going. I don't know. <laughs> it's totally possible. Sure. But uh, we thought it was worthwhile. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you listen to this on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, share with your friend, and we'll see you next week. 